that we have the amazing Melissa. Okay, she is passionate about helping other women over 35 to reclaim their power and pleasure through creativity, menstrual cycle awareness, orgasm, motherhood, and financial independence. She is that multifaceted. She's amazing. I'm so blessed to call her friend and neighbor. Yes. Actually. <laughs> yeah. So welcome, Alyssa. Thank you so much for having me here. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So the first time I met Melissa, she had a shirt on that in big sparkly letters said doula. So I was like in love with her right off the bat. Where did we meet? What was the first time? Hapai Lomi Lomi class. Oh, yeah. Okay. first time. At the beginning of this year, actually. Yeah. So our friendship is about 10 months old. Yeah. (laughs) We look forward to many more. So I invited Melissa here uh, to specifically talk about PCOS. Uh, So why don't you get us started on what that is? All right. (sighs) PCOS stands for Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome. It affects one in every eight women. And it is the, while I personally believe that it is not a fertility issue, and we'll talk about that, it does, um, it, it does contribute to, it's the largest contributor of infertility in women. Um, but yes, but I don't believe that we should treat it, that we should talk about it as fertility I think the fertility issue is a symptom of the overall condition Um, so just to back up a little bit most women find out that they have PCOS when they're trying to conceive which is why it's being treated as a fertility problem Um, and there's just like like it's it's one of these things where we have to really get control of the language and change the narrative um because women with pcos are not infertile they have um what should be considered subfertility which means that they just do not ovulate consistently uh and so with pcos you can you can have uh, a menstrual cycle and you can bleed but not ovulate. And so you need, um, you need to have an ovulatory cycle to have a full, legit menstrual cycle. And so um, that doesn't mean it's, that you're infertile. It just means that you have to figure out why you're not ovulating and there are many contributors to that. Um, and so first off is like the name which needs to be changed. (laughs) Uh, And they're slowly debating that on how to um, address it more comprehensively. And so in the early days, the the first doctors that discovered it made a correlation between the number of, of cysts that they found on the ovaries of the women that um, presented with this condition but you do not have to have polycystic ovaries to be diagnosed because it's largely a hormonal and endocrine disorder or or, or a hormonal endocrine is the same thing endocrine and uh, metabolic disorder um, so which is why I say that we should not be looking at it we should not be framing it 
from the perspective of an of a fertility problem and frame it as a as a whole health problem mm -hmm. i i feel like it should be treated as an autoimmune disease uh because you get a host of symptoms that appear to be unrelated but it's all connected to your metabolism and your endocrine system being disrupted okay. and so so for my so for myself um i self-diagnosed my pcos and then i got like this little demo of what polycystic ovaries look like and what mine look like and i and, and i don't have polycystic ovaries but when all the blood work came back the response was oh this is classic pcos oh. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's like yeah that's why i told you like <laughs> um and um and what's really frustrating about treatment is that you don't really get a lot of support for pcos unless you want to be pregnant Ah, okay. and it's really um dangerous because our menstrual cycles are an indicator of our overall health it's a vital sign and if something is disrupting your cycle in some way um if you have like regardless of if it's pcos or dysmenorrhea or something or pms or something else like it's an indication that there's an imbalance somewhere whether it's it's um, a hormonal imbalance whether it's a nutrition deficient deficiency uh, it could be a gut health issue. It could be a thyroid issue. It could be a pituitary issue. Like your body is is in constant communication with you know the the our systems are in constant communication with each other, and your body is making decisions about what is essential. Mm -hmm. And if there's something going on in in your body or in your life that your body needs to respond to. One of the first things it does is says that we don't have time to make new bait, new humans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it'll right. shut, it'll shut down, um, ovulation in right. women, you know? And so it's like, and so, and how it does that is through inflammation is through, um, insulin resistance is through raising to elevating testosterone levels. Um, and with that, with these things that happen is that, you know, if you have inflammation, that is, is a stress response. It is, um, inflammation is not good for the body. It breaks right. down the joints. It breaks down, um, it, um, it, it makes it, your body more susceptible to illness and disease. Um, insulin resistance, insulin is the body's, um, I want to call it like I want to call it like a bodyguard of some sorts so it's like if the body feels like there's not enough food it'll it'll increase insulin production so that you put on weight so that there's something to get you over lean times um, and so if you if you have insulin resistance which can ultimately lead to diabetes it's essentially saying it's not it's not conducive right now to creating a new human so we're just going to shut off the the ovaries and use that to send, use that energy and put it to some other use that we need the body to to do right now um 
and then there's a so it's so it's it's there's this dance that you that the body plays with insulin and testosterone and even cholesterol women with high levels of testosterone are most likely also have um, high cholesterol and so that's why I say it's a mistake uh, mm -hmm. and it's harmful and dangerous for this to be treated as a fertility challenge right. when you have all this other stuff right. and so like what I'm even trying to, to discern or to figure out right now is the connection between um, the, the prevalence of cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes in menopausal women mm -hmm. and PCOS oh, okay. and so it's like if you've never addressed your period problems and you don't know that these connections exist between like what your hormones are doing and how your metabolism is is functioning and your period problems then you don't know that you know that that is what pushed you into these conditions like right. when you hit menopause so let's talk about that because you mentioned that most people aren't getting much support when they have PCOS unless they actually want to get pregnant. Right. Then pe the doctors seem to decide it's worth paying attention to, but otherwise they seem to think it's not that big of a health issue to really deal with. Is that they only pay correctly? attention to whatever you need to do to get pregnant. They don't pay. Okay. They're not necessarily paying attention to these other health things. Right. So. So generally, the, the, the default prescription to PCOS is to uh, lose weight and you'll get pregnant. Oh. And so here's the problem. So it's like okay. there are women with PCOS that look like me. Uh -huh. We're full yeah. women, right? Sure. There are women with PCOS that look like you. Okay. And so a woman with PCOS that looks like you. I don't need to lose more weight. <laughs> and so guess what they tell you? Gain weight? No. Oh, good luck. There's nothing we can do? Pretty much. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's not enough. That's not sufficient. <laughs> right. So, and so it's like your weight gain. So one of the symptoms, one of wow. the, one of the, one of the symptoms of PCOS is unexplained weight gain. Okay. Like I actually, I, I, um, gained about 30 pounds in six months with no changes to my lifestyle or diet. Okay. Um, and so, but what was happening was, is that I was responding to stress, which triggered inflammation, which triggered insulin resistance, which shot my testosterone. Actually, oh, I'm actually okay. not sure like, you know, which came first, Sure. but it was just like, but it, it definitely was. Yeah. It all feeds into yeah. itself. And so my body was responding to stress wow. and it was keeping on weight. Okay. Um, and, and so it's like the conventional wisdom of eat less, exercise more doesn't apply to women with PCOS or, or really people yet. with, or people with PCOS, I right. should say. Okay. Uh, and so, so that's the other challenge too, is because there are specific things that then need to happen for the, for your body to, you have to get your body out of the inflammatory state. You mm -hmm. have to get your body you have to increase your insulin sensitivity. Uh, you have to decrease your, t you have to get your testosterone levels back to normal. Right. And, and so that means that you, that exercise is going to look very different mm -hmm. for the person with PCOS than the, than the person who doesn't have these issues right. that just wants to, yeah. to release excess weight. Okay. Um, so yeah. May I? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to kind of 
pull back a little bit towards the beginning just for people who um, maybe don't know what this is, have never really heard of it, or maybe they kind of have, I want to invite them to learn what the symptoms are like, how it can impact someone's life, and I think maybe a great way to do it is just by sharing your story of, you know, what were these symptoms and how they started adding up and how you figured out this was going on for you. There are probably about, there are at least like 30 symptoms that are related to PCOS that by themselves don't um, make sense. They don't go together. So it's actually, so it could actually take a really long time for you to get a PCOS diagnosis because the symptoms don't necessarily match with, with their, um, with the reproductive issues. So the most, the most common thing is, is, is that there's unexpected weight gain, like there's unexplained weight gain that is hard to, um, get off. You can't like, you can't take it off despite your best efforts. Um, and, and, and then you find that like you, you might actually be doing all the right things and you're gaining more weight. Uh, which happens a lot, which is why it's like you have to um, really be um, you have to really like look at yourself individually and 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 run through a checklist of what all might be your um, triggers for PCOS because there are several different ways to come to to develop PCOS. So it can um, so it can be brought on by birth control. Um, it can, it can be what they would call secondary infertility. So it's like you could have a baby and then want to, and then be trying for another one. And then there's like two or three, four or five, 10 years and you're still not pregnant. And then that's when they figure out that like, that you got pushed into PCOS after the birth of the first child. Um, my cousin actually has what they, what they call lean PCOS. And that would be like you, someone of your, um, of your stature. And she actually didn't know that she'd had PCOS until she went for an ultrasound during one of her pregnancies. And she has three kids. So, like, this is the other thing, too, where it's, like, where the message being put out there is that you're infertile. But, like, you're not infertile. My cousin has three kids that she conceived naturally. And she didn't even know know. that she had PCOS until she was doing the ultrasound. And they were like, oh, look at all these cysts on your ovaries. (laughs) <laughs> oh, and then you know, so from there, did they do blood work? Because you were saying you don't necessarily have cysts on your ovaries if you have fecals, but if you can, you have, you know, cysts on your ovaries and not have fecals. Right? Yeah, you, so, yeah, because these follicles form and then do right. whatever as a natural ovulatory process. Right. Um, so most, but most, so most people come into it with um, unexplained weight gain, um, hirsutism. So it's like all of a sudden you're getting hairier. So it's like you're getting a mustache, you're getting hairs and they could be, they could be anything from like random hairs speckled all over your chin and your neck to like a full beard. Some women have it really severe and they get a full beard or they'll grow hair in their chest or their pubic hair will get thicker uh, and coarser and travel down the thighs and like you just get hairier okay um then you might also get male pattern balding (laughs) so your hairline your hairline will start to recede or like it'll thin out it'll start to recede um you could develop gerd you could there's a there's a hearing loss thing that some people get that's why i say like like it's crazy the the symptoms that come up because 
they seem unrelated like what which is why it's like this is not a fertility issue like why like why would you connect GERD to PCOS that everybody's telling you is a fertility issue right Um, or hearing issues or hearing issues yeah (laughs) um and so um, there could just be like cystic acne. Like the cystic acne is, is directly related to testosterone. So like that would make sense. So anyone, anyone who's having, um, who, is, who has like a lot of acne, especially if you're getting acne, just like think about like where men grow hair. Right. Um, that you would, do you think it froze? You'll edit that. Yeah. Okay, we'll just have two videos, audio keeps going. Yeah, so just like, um, you know, where a man grows a beard, if you're getting acne in that, like, beard area, you most likely have your testosterone is probably a little elevated. And so that's worth looking into. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, some people have... um, so it's it's inflammation, um, it's birth control, it's insulin resistance, um, and there might be estrogen excess or dominance. Um, and so those are generally the typical, like, the underlying causes. Okay. Um, there is some research um, that's out right now where they feel like... Um, where they have noticed that those with PCOS test positive for the, um, that malarian, what is it called? It's like, it's, I think it's something malarian hormone thing. Um, that has to do with androgens, right? Yeah. So if you're testing positive for that, then there's the, the, there's the likelihood that that is what is causing. So they're like trying to develop a drug to, um, address that. Um, and so, um, you can also develop arthritis or bursitis. That's why I said treat it like an autoimmune disease because the inflammation is showing up and different. Like I had, I had, so I developed, um, GERD, bursitis in my knees, um, insulin resistance, had high inflammation. Um, there's a, there's a thing called Cushing syndrome, which they said I didn't test positive for, but I feel like I had it. And it's basically like where you get like a kind of hump in your back. Um, cause I felt like, cause, cause my, that area was significantly puffier two years ago than it is now but apparently like I didn't test positive for it but I still feel like Mm -hmm. I had it um and so like that like that'll develop um one indication of insulin resistance is hyperpigmentation in your neck armpits groin area um like those parts tend to get darker anyway yeah but if like but if you get like all of a sudden you get like this dark cast um, where you're like, I scrub and it's not coming off. Like, uh-huh. yeah, that's a sign of insulin resistance. Oh, um, okay. and, um, and skin tags, skin tags and hyperpigmentation are a sign of insulin resistance. Um, and so, yeah, so, um, a lot of, a lot of people with PCOS experience, um, varying levels of depression. 
Um, you can get, you can develop um, sleep apnea. Mm. Um, so that's important. It's important for um, people with PCOS to get tested for sleep apnea. Uh, also for, for expectance too, because uh. um, you can develop sleep apnea during mm -hmm. a pregnancy. Um, and yeah, like it's just such this long list that makes you feel like you're a hypochondriac <laughs> mm -hmm. or like, or, you know, you're just, you're just banging all this stuff up. And that's why, I, that's why I advocate for it not to be treated as a fertility problem, but a whole health problem. Like treat Makes this sense. as an autoimmune disease. Cause your body is essentially breaking down and like, it's not like it's, 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 um, it's not in stasis cause all these things are going on. Right. Um, so so yeah, okay. like it's it's exhausting. Yeah, you know, that like, is so much ground to cover, yeah. and and things to try to make sense of for yourself and your own life. Um, so that's why I invited you on here. You've done a lot of work to piece all these things together that are hard to make sense of, and it's all over the place, really. Yeah. Um, can you help us make it really clear for our magical listeners how PCOS is diagnosed? You did mention you know ultrasounds can be part of it also blood work um that's primarily it so work, it's like yeah so you you can't go by the ultrasound alone because right. you may because polycystic because you may not have polycystic ovaries right or you um, can have this and not have it ge yeah generally what happens is is um how people find out that they have it is that mm -hmm. they have been trying to conceive for six months or 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 longer without success right and then the doctor will run the tests. Okay. Um, and so um, you're basically, they basically just do the reproductive hormone panel of testosterone, all the testosterones, because um, there's like testosterone, free testosterone, DHEA. They'll look at the progesterone, most uh, usually also too, um, which, is, which is part of the the anovulatory cycles is that if you have PCOS, you probably also have low progesterone. Mm. Uh, so that also needs oh, to be looked at okay. because if you're trying to conceive and you're not making enough progesterone, baby's not going to stick. Right, um, right. Another thing that doesn't get discussed also too is the, is the luteal phase. Um, because if, if your luteal phase is really short, that baby's not going to stick. Like the the embryo is not going to stick. Do individuals with PCOS tend to have shorter cycles? Um, no, they tend to have really long irregular cycles. So, but you actually have to, you have to, you have to know the phases of the menstrual cycle right. to be able to chart where you should be right. in your cycle to know if you have if your luteal phase is is too short or too long. Right. But um, but uh, but um. It just depends. So, like, it's the problem, like, too, where it's, like, because you can bleed and not ovulate, you can think that you're, like, supposed to be getting pregnant right. now because you should have ovulated. Um, but but you need to know, like, all, like, you need to have an understanding of all the phases of the menstrual cycle and be mm -hmm. charting it so that you can figure out what the issue is. Right. Um, and so some of that, like, and, and it's, like, like, when you do your blood work, like, like menstrual charting is really important because it will help to know where you are in your cycle when you go do the lab, the blood work. Mm -hmm. So you can, so you can get an accurate f of, um, indication of what your FSH and FH and, um, 
like all the like the whole wow. alphabet list of the hormones yeah. that like that that manage um, the reproductive cycle. You should get your thyroid tested. Wow. Um, yeah. And so like and so the thyroid thing is is really controversial because your thyroid panel could come back normal, but it might not really be optimal. Okay. Um, and so I and so I encourage people to do the basal body temperature That's the check best way. because. Yeah. Because if your temperature is clocking in at less than 97 degrees, you have a thyroid issue. Oh. Um, And so um, it feels like a lot. It feels like really, really overwhelming. But there's technology. And, like, once you get the education and you get the Mm -hmm. hang of it, um, where you're learning how to track your fertility with your temperature, with um, your cervical mucus or fluid, uh, with the position of your cervix, uh, it gets it gets manageable over t- it's eff- right. it becomes effortless over time to be able to be like okay. uh, I know what my body is doing when right. Um, right. and then you can better figure out you know how you want to resolve the okay. symptoms sure yeah so let's segue into resolving the symptoms if I understand correctly there is no treatment per se and maybe I don't know if there's anything to speak to whether there's really any way to keep it at bay for the rest of someone's life if you know of anyone who's done that or heard of that Um, but as far as I'm concerned they say there's no treatment for it right there's no well there's no cure no cure exactly exactly the medical approach to treating PCOS depending on what the symptoms are. Um, Cause you do have some people who have PCOS that may also experience really um, bad PMS. And you know, PMS is a diagnosable condition. Like we all say that we mm-hmm. have it, but it's actually like a real legitimate mm-hmm. diagnosable condition. Um, and then some um, people get really heavy flows, menstrual cycles. Um, and so depending on the situation, um, if you're generally what they do is that if you're having really rough PMS and heavy flows, they'll put you on birth control, on hormonal birth control, but hormonal birth control does not fix. First of all, it's not mm-hmm. giving you a period. You, no. it's, it's a, with any bleeding, like it's not necessary to have any kind of bleeding on um, birth control because your body is not doing that naturally like that it's like the birth control is turning off your hormones so anything that is coming out of you that looks like blood is a withdrawal bleed from that um hormonal um birth control but like um you know they've been using birth control to manage hormones forever not necessarily to prevent pregnancy but to manage Right. All the symptoms. So that's what um, most people are offered. That's what most people are offered. Okay. If you are overweight, they'll tell you to lose weight. Uh, they will. They will generally put you on a diabetes medication called metformin. Is um, that preemptively or? If you if you are testing if you have insulin resistance, they will suggest that you go on metformin. Right. A lot of a lot of uh, women will swear that metformin got them pregnant. Which I don't like. I'm not gonna argue with, but um, but it just means that it just it just increased their insulin sensitivity, okay. which Helps triggered ovulation. Better. Yeah. Sure. Um, um, okay. And so, um, if you have hirsutism, they might prescribe one of the anti 
androgens that deal with that. Um, We're already so up to it, three medications here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and then like whatever other symptoms you have is just medication for that. Okay. So, sure. um, right. So dealing with the symptoms individually. Yeah. Is what can be right. done medically. Right. So, but that's problematic because it's not addressing the fact that um, a lot of the issues with PCOS are nutrition and lifestyle related. So let's get into that, what you have found about the holistic picture. Okay. Yeah. So in general, in general, happy periods need, for you to have like a, a, a I would say like a peaceful period <laughs> um, where, you know, so like in general, like what are our period problems? Um, fatigue, irritability. And cramps. Sugar cravings, cramps. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> heavy flow, heavy flows, depression. Um, um, yeah, yeah. like right. pain, so like overall depletion, right? Energetically, keyword depletion. Yeah, these are like these symptoms are are indicative of of something being depleted in the body. So no matter what your um situation is PCOS everything's fine and dandy everyone could benefit from some basic nutrition um, in terms of vitamins and nutrients so you really want to pay attention to your gut health because your gut is determining how well you're absorbing nutrients Uh, and a lot of us are not absorbing well a lot of us have bacterial overgrowth Mm. Um, whether it's candida or pylori or H. pylori or any of the other number of things that have taken over our microbiome and that are keeping us from fully uh, absorbing nutrients from food. So you want to address that. Um, You want to increase foods that that, that have magnesium, zinc, selenium, um, vitamin D, Magnesium is your menstrual cycle's best friend. <laughs> um, so you, so it's so it's like so basically it's like here's how you can like decode your cravings. Mm. If you're craving chocolate, you need more magnesium. magnesium. Your body okay. is asking for a magnesium. Um, so in that case, like chocolate is a woman's best friend. Dark chocolate, <laughs> dark chocolate if That's you can find it because you want you don't want you don't necessarily want all the sugar right. that is in it. Uh, um, um, so, so it's like, you know, focus on what you need to do more of, what you need to add more. So good quality probiotic. Um, maybe you need to add vitamins to your diet, or maybe you just need to increase the foods that are rich in those th- in, in those nutrients. Get yourself out into the sun uh, for your mm-hmm. vitamin D. Um, physical activity is really important. And um, because physical activity helps to regulate hormones it increases insulin sensitivity it increases endorphins so your mood's better um and strength training especially is really helpful in managing um period problems um pcos specifically needs some more stuff uh one of them is myo inositol with dechiral inositol that helps with insulin and ovarian function um, there's N-acetylcysteine that also is, is 
uh, important for um, PCOS. Um, choline, um, CQ10. So like now we're like, when we talk about CQ10 and resveratrol, uh -huh. we're trying to address um, inflammation. Um, so you want to reduce that. Um, if you have heavy flows, you probably have either or both of estrogen dominance and um, low iron. So that would be something that you'd have to figure out. How you know if you have estrogen dominance is that during PMS, your breasts get really sore and tender. Mm -hmm. Like that's estrogen. Yeah. Um, and you might also get like really um, weepy or um, irritable or snappy. Right. Like that's also like you got some estrogen uh -huh. stuff going on. <laughs> I can um, feel the estrogen in my breasts right Yeah, now. it's like if your breasts are tender, <laughs> Uh, right before you bleed, um, that's an indication that you're, you've got a lot of estrogen going on. Um, and so, and so then the next part of that is that you might have to do some, like some, uh, an elimination diet. Um, a lot of people will find that if they cut out, um, dairy, sugar, caffeine, wheat, soy, um, the week before like during their like right around the luteal phase which is the pms cycle that they that they um that their pms symptoms will diminish wow. and they have an easier a, a easier flow yeah so that's wow. so it's like everyone is different and individual sure, sure. you're gonna have to pick one thing a cycle right <laughs> like pick one thing a cycle to abstain from and then just just notice how you feel from pms to bleeding Sure. And then that'll let you know, oh, caffeine is a, is a trigger, right. you know, um, or like too much sugar is a trigger. Mm -hmm. um, your cravings are information. So it's, yeah. it's like if you're craving something, what's the underlying thing? Somet sometimes it's nutritional. Sometimes it's emotional. Sugar is almost always about emotions. Mm -hmm. um, but there could also be an imbalance in protein and fat. So you have to... Um, work that through but right. start with the when it's the sugar craving start with the emotions okay and right. then think about okay what did i eat today mm -hmm. you know was i heavier on this or that thing and then you can you know you can make those changes sure um and um the lifestyle piece is really important you know a lot of us really don't um consider the impact that our choices and our environment have on our well-being and especially our menstrual cycle mm -hmm. um so like one of the things that i do when i when i talk about because i talk about making peace with your period right <laughs> yeah. and so when i listen to what people say during their pms so it's like I've, I had one person say that when they're in when they're PMSy, they want to cut people's heads off mm, um yeah. like literally like everyone's everyone's age. gonna die right yeah. and so mm -hmm. and so for me like that's an issue of boundaries mm -hmm. you're not you're not making requests right you're not setting good boundaries um and you you probably also are not in receiving mode right so like so try that try those yeah. things yeah and then see how it shifts for you mm -hmm. um 
So these are things that we have to pay attention to. If you are in a, um, an unhealthy relationship or an unhealthy job, or you live somewhere and the environment is not conducive to your, your health and well-being, all these things are factors. You know, if you don't have good relationships with, if you don't have good friendships, if you don't have um, hobbies, if you um, feel isolated, if you, um, if there's no pleasure, no joy, no abundance in your life, like all those things are going to impact your menstrual cycle. Right. So that's why I say like, like, like we really have to address it. It's, I think we have to consider it an autoimmune disease if you want to address it from the health and nutrition aspect. Um, and then look at all this lifestyle stuff that, um, has to occur. Like what changes do you have to make in your life? Um, so that you feel more connected and in tune with your body. Um, you know, like learning how to chart your menstrual cycles is really important. And it's, it's unfortunate that for the most part, most of the education around or the the advocacy around charting menstrual cycles is for fertility and family planning, but there's so much more to charting your menstrual cycles mm-hmm. um, because yep. because your menstrual cycle, like if you like, I teach cycle syncing, so I actually talk about how to use each phase to plan out your life. Yes. And so it's like you know if you're like your you have four cycles or four phases to the menstrual cycle. Each of them can be connected to a season. There's a winter, spring, summer, fall in your menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you take the, the, um, the energy of the season that you're in and apply it to the cycle that you're in, that helps you connect to your body. So right. you just have to listen to your body. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, our body is like the fatigue comes on because our body naturally is wanting us to slow down and get ready for the bleed for winter time. That's right, right. <laughs> and so, what yeah. do we do in the winter? You know, we tend to go in, right? We we go in. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not socializing as much, uh, especially like if you're in a like if it's winter, if it's a true winter where you are, you're mm-hmm. not socializing as much. Um, you want like all the comfort foods, you want to be cozy and come, you know, right. and then there's, it's also a period of reflection, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then um, when you're in your follicular phase, that's like spring. You want to, you start starting to get a little warmer. Yeah. You starting to, starting to feel like you want to, you want to open up and kind of right. see what peek Think, out and see what's growing. going on. Right. You want to, you want to plant some seeds. Mm. Um, and then you ovulate, like if you pay attention, when you ovulate, you most likely are feeling the 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 most glowing, the most juicy, the Maybe most- the most creative. The most creative, yeah. the most um, sexy, uh-huh. you know? Um, and that's the time where you do your most socializing. Like you can plan plan all of your social events in your, in your ovulatory phase. Totally. Yeah. Um, and then you get to the luteal phase and it's like, okay, you know, fun summertime stuff. It's coming to an end. It's mm-hmm. time to like, you know, start putting some of that stuff away, start mm-hmm. preparing for winter. Like, what do we need to do to, to restore and, and stock up? 
right? The know? leaves are changing color. Right. Right. <laughs> the transition, slowing down. Right. So obviously, you know, you won't be able to do all those things right. um, when you want to. Mm-hmm. That's not what that means. It just sure. means like being aware yeah. of of how your body is responding based on where you're, what phase you're in. And also t- tuning into what your season is. Because some of us are winter people and we thrive in winter. Yeah. I don't. I'm not mm-hmm. one of those people. But, (laughs) you know, some of us are are autumn people. Just think about, like, too, like, where in the seasons of the year do you feel like this is my time? Yeah. You know, like, apply that to your menstrual cycle. Right. Um, And so so this is, so for me, it's like your period problems are an invitation to reconnect to your body and to yourself and to develop this relationship with yourself and and to um just just use that to navigate the world you know it's like you don't have to you don't necessarily you don't have to buy a whole lot of stuff um even though there's some things that might make um your cycle and your life a little easier Mm. um but there's just a lot of things that where you just have you can get a little notebook and you can just keep a a diary of you know what you ate what your emotions were like where you are in your cycle and and then after like you know you in like a month's time like in one cycle's time you can actually get an overview of what your life is like and then you can make the adjustments right you know so yeah so you're so there's so much that we can do there is um i i i I don't think that we should we should rely on medicine or wait for medicine to pay attention to that mm-hmm. because it, because science doesn't do that like we're right. like science is in the head and and the yep. and the menstrual cycle is in the body right. you know like it's 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 the neck down yeah. and so like this is stuff that we have to take upon ourselves to do totally yeah taking it back to what you were talking about earlier of some women have shared with you that you know when it's that quote-unquote PMS time and I don't mean syndrome I just mean like literally the time before you're menstruating um that they feel really enraged and they want to cut people's heads off and what I have found is often that can I find that to be a season of like full clarity and where we're just so connected with ourselves and our truth and we have very little patience for um, the, any BS. Right, exactly, <laughs> that's the, true. And all the things that we held on to throughout the month leading up to that point, we're finally ready to not deal with it and finally say it out loud. Right. And some of us hold on to a hell of a lot. <laughs> right, that's, ex- that's so absolutely it's like, oh, true. It's so ready to come out. Yeah. So that's another little moment, just like you said, an invitation from your body to pay attention like hey you ignored this for weeks but i I can't hold on to it anymore (laughs) right right because we're getting ready to release like the blood is getting getting ready to release release. it out so let all of that is shit go literally (laughs) literally let it let it go (laughs) yeah it's you know it seems metaphorical and it is but it's also very literal like your body's been building up to a point where it can then release or or grow a baby either (laughs) you know but yeah, these are, I love that you brought us down to that level all the way from PCOS, which seems, you know, like so overwhelming. What do yeah. I do down to like, hey, what you do every day from moment to moment mm-hmm. and how you connect with your being and listen to those messages from your being make 
a difference in the journey with this, you know, huge thing of PCOS that can seem um, a, like a lot to figure out. So thank you for taking us on that big journey. You're welcome. I have um, two last questions. Um, one is, what do you want everyone who has PCOS or suspects they do to know about? A little message you send them off with. Uh, PCOS does not equal infertility. Okay. And it, I, I personally feel it's an invitation to, uh, a rec it's a, a reclamation. Yeah. Um, to reclaim your body, to reclaim your hormones, to unpack all the stories that you have internalized around um, pregnancy and motherhood and sex and periods. Because um, that's also something that we don't do. Like we have these messages that you're like you're built for it, so you're supposed to be able to get pregnant. Yeah. You know, or like, or this idea that if it doesn't happen by 30, then it's just never going to happen or I'm going to be too old. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm 39, first time, going to be a first time mom. And I'm going to tell you that it's all BS. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all BS. Yep. Um, and so, you know, like we have a lot of messaging to unpack around mm -hmm. our menstrual cycles. Like we bleed for about 30 for like I'm in my I'm coming into my fourth decade I'll be coming to my fourth yeah. decade of bleeding like yeah. as long as I am bleeding I can I can conceive so it's, it's ridiculous to suggest that that I'm old right exactly. you know and it's and it's and it's interesting because it's like the body has has already determined that there's a point where they want you to not make any more babies yeah. so it's like so so but it's just it's just fascinating to me about like oh like all of this languaging and messaging that we have because men can 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 can, can um make babies until they die but women actually are like this is it like uh -huh. like we're done right right <laughs> you know and so it's like that should be telling us something you know mm -hmm. so that if you can keep if you can bleed from um so I, I think something's off about the fact that that women are girls are starting monarch at nine but if you can mm. if you're bleeding say from like 12 to 50 and maybe even like 55 right like you're fertile yeah you know like and so it's it's just a matter of of what your lifestyle is 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 presenting to you in terms of you know your desire to conceive or not mm -hmm. um but yes, PCOS is not PCOS is not a fertility problem. It is a whole health problem. Um, PCOS does not equal infertility. All right. Women with PCOS uh, are more likely to have to be able to have more success with conception later in life. Mm -hmm. So I would say like enjoy your 20s and uh. your and your early 30s like live your life yeah um you know like i feel really good about being a first-time mom at 39 because i have lived a good like i've, yeah. I've lived you know and mm -hmm. so i don't like so now it's like i don't feel like this baby is taking anything from 
my life because I've done the things, you know, um, and just, you know, (laughs) nourish your body, um, nourish your relationships, you know, Mm -hmm. so yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you for inviting us all to really pay attention to our body's wisdom and to trust it and connect into that. If it hasn't been your habit to trust that your body is wise and inviting you to tap into that because it's true (laughs) um melissa tell us our our well viewers and listeners where they can find you and connect with you and all your amazing you can find me online at melissadanielle.com uh and also look for women's health coach on um, I have women's health coach and PCOS health coach on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So you can find me Fantastic. in those places. Right. Or you can also like come to Oahu and oh, come hang out. What? Okay. <laughs> Personal invitation for you right there. Come hang out. Yeah. You yeah. can hang out with this incredible, magic, beautiful, <laughs> intelligent woman. Um, and yeah, hang around her magicness. So yeah. thank you so much. Um, 